Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Let's get it rolling because a loaded show today. Thursdays mean the one, the only Josh Ward. We love visiting with him, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Josh, comparatively to Caleb Calhoun, is chopped liver. And I'm saying that because I forgot to say hello to Josh before I forgot to say hello to Caleb before we got rolling with John Adams on Wednesday. So I don't want to ever disrespect my man, especially since he's rocking the coolest shirt in the history of shirts. Caleb, how are you, sir? I forgot to turn the mic on. (laughs) Oh, I give you the Um, big buildup. I even kind of throw shade at Josh, and then you don't have your mic on. What the H? I know. Rookie mistake. I am amazing, Dave. By the way, it was Jimmy on Wednesday that you did this to, not John Adams. Oh, so, uh, well, those yeah. those two guys run together. In my I know this was the buildup, and the letdown was like, for any wrestling fans, who remembers the end of the Sting-Hogan match of Starcade 97? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? It was a year and a half long buildup in the screwiest ending possible that ruined WCW. I I guess hit that like and subscribe button. Go ahead and do it right now. We would greatly appreciate it. And uh, let's get off and rolling here as uh, Caleb. I think there's an argument to be made that Tennessee fans are already a little bit spoiled. Also, the poll question is up on YouTube, so we want you to vote on that. Uh, Caleb, if you can take a peek at that, I want your thoughts before we get going on Tennessee fans maybe a little bit spoiled. Um, So you want to go ahead and read off our options there. The poll question is on the YouTube page. Go ahead and vote. The poll question is on the YouTube page. I have not pulled that up yet, actually. Um, Uh, So I will pull. Well, that's a new segment to the show. It's brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com, real estate experts with over 40 years of experience. But it it has to do with Nico. By the way, Andy Mason, best prices, best service in the biz. But it has to do with the quarterback situation. Um, So there we go. It's right on top of YouTube. You tell me what you think. Why am I not seeing it? That's okay. That's okay. I feel like I'm a boomer, maybe. Maybe I'm a boomer. I can take care of that part. Maybe you don't understand a boomer. So, oh, so you don't know how to use. 
I hate to tell you, but Gen X is struggling from time to time. Here it is. Looking back, how did Josh Heupel handle the Vols quarterback situation? So vote there. You have three options. Perfectly. Poorly. Uh, Okay. Nico should have played. Perfectly with 43%. Okay. Nico should have played with 43%. Poorly only 14%. And it's a perfect transition. Hello, Carlos. I haven't seen you before. Go balls back to you. Uh, it leads us in a perfect transition to in honor of Norm McDonald, who I've I've gone through another resurgence. I'm just watching him ask questions of Blake Griffin at an NBA Finals and making Blake Griffin laugh. But in honor of Norm McDonald, it's our daily segment. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. I love that you pulled this up. And this was a tweet by, uh, give the individual credit. Who, Who was the person who tweeted this? The tweet comes from a guy named Tucker Harlan, who, uh, is member of Fox Sports Knox. He's a uh, 2020. He's going to be. He's a member of the Tennessee class of 2024 with WTK Rock Solid Sports as well. And he basically tweeted out yesterday Tennessee's record through eight games over the past 15 years. And okay. you want me to give the information real quick? I do. So the what the H is? Why are you guys? so upset with a season in which Tennessee would have beaten Florida with Cooper Mays stood toe to toe with Alabama for a half. And this is just year three when I'm out in the community and I'm not throwing shade at any of uh, our people who are on the message board at all, because I love you hit the like and subscribe button. I truly do. We have an incredibly educated, fair group of people that we love working with uh, in our message board. But when I'm out in the community, business members, because, you know, I run the business end of of this thing to a large extent with the help of uh, uh, one uh, very unlucky missus in this whole endeavor. But they're happy. They're they're excited, I mean, about the future. So give me the stats because I'm like, what the age? Why is Tennessee's fan base not happier with where the program is? So give me the stats that was it Tucker Carlson put out? No, it was not Tucker Carlson. It was Tucker Harlan. (laughs) Um, The stat says over the through eight games over the last 15 years. This is Tennessee's best season through eight games over the last 15 years, except for last year. So people are upset that Tennessee didn't match last year. But if you look at Tennessee's record through eight games and you take out last year, it's better than any other season since Philip Fulmer. Actually, since Philip Fulmer's last year in 2008. And actually, you can even go further back. This one doesn't go far back enough. I, I can tell you this right now. It's actually Tennessee's best record through eight games since 2006. So it's actually the last 17 years or last 18 years, excuse me, 2022 notwithstanding. Okay. Here is what uh, Rocky Top Tom says. And I'm going to give you a piece of information I got yesterday that I think is going to blow you away, Caleb. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Uh, Rocky Top Tom says, we wouldn't have beaten Florida just because Cooper Mays is on the field. Horrible play calling, bad call, and starting Joe Milton and refusing to open the playbook cost us that game, cost us Bama too. I'm not defending Alabama, okay? Um, But I'm going to tell you what happened at Alabama because I got uh, some really good info yesterday. 
Alabama or uh, Florida? Sorry. Alabama. Alabama. Okay. So, but let me start with Florida. Uh, it Cooper did affect it that much. It would have affected the entire offensive playbook that much more. Caleb, I think you probably agree with that, right? I'm fully on board with that. I okay. firmly believe that Cooper Mees would have affected it that much. Okay. As for the Alabama game, Josh Hopper screwed up. Um, and Caleb, this is going to fly in the face of your analytics, but he has told people privately that he shouldn't have gone for it on fourth down on his own end with the lead. He has told people that privately. Now you may not like it, but I know he has said that and you have to at least agree. I don't want to get into really the philosophical debate as much as he thinks that that was a major factor. And he said, that's something I won't do again especially on the road. In other words, it speaks to all of what we're talking about, and that is he is still a young coach. What, 44? He is growing and learning. Is, is he Is he that old? I think he, he might be 44. I think you're right. Okay. He is growing and learning and getting better. And you look back at that. Can we pull up that tweet of Tucker Carlson's that Tucker I'm going to Harlan. I, I, we may hire him one day, Caleb, but we're going to keep calling Tucker Carlson. All right, you want me to share way, the? Hmm? Yeah, can we share the tweet? Can we put? Okay, there it is. This is pretty phenomenal. So kudos to this young man. So Tennessee in 2023 through eight games last 15 years, six and two now. Uh, they were eight and zero last year, as you know. Before that, four and four. Two and six, three and five, three and five, three and five, five and three, four and four, three and five, four and four, three and five, three and five, two and six, four and four. This program is trending the right direction. This program is going to be, like I've said, a regular participant in the college football playoff. Um, I'm two more. You, I also want to point this out. They were. Um, they were three and five in 2008 also, which wasn't on there. And they were five and three in 2007 and they won the East in 2007. Yeah. Um, uh, kudos to Tucker Carlson. Uh, I want to, I want to, um, and I want to address this because some people are trying to bring this up to me. The, uh, if you see, if you read Twitter, a lot of people will try to say, well, that's because Tennessee doesn't play Georgia until November. Now that's their argument. They're saying, well, Tennessee had to play Georgia back then. Dave, you want to know why that's wrong? Why? Because outside of 2016, they were they are two games better this year than they were any other of those previous seasons. So even if they had played Georgia and lost, they still would have a better record than all of these years. And in 2016, they actually beat Georgia. So it wouldn't have mattered if they played Georgia in November or in October. And the same with 20, 2007 when they were 5-3. and three. They actually beat Georgia. So the schedule move of Georgia to November has no bearing whatsoever on this record at all. All right. So, Tennessee fans, are they spoiled already? Let me ask you that. I think they're losing perspective very, very quickly. I think losing the negative perspective is a great way to put it. All right. Yes. Continue your thought. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. I think the negativity surrounding the program to a certain degree, I, and I know this sounds like a head coach because, you know, coaches like to be like, you know, like this place in the negativity and you're missing all the positives. I think Tennessee fans are losing sight of the positives because of what happened last year with a Lightning in a bottle situation with Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. And they're forgetting what Josh Heupel walked into and where the program was building towards. And I think many Tennessee fans 
thought 2022 should be the every year norm at that point. But that's just not okay. Put it this way: it's like it's like in it's like in life and history. You know how like what was it the quote Martin Luther King said: "The arc of history is long, but bends towards justice." That's like okay, you'll sometimes go backwards and forward. It's a roller coaster going in the right direction. But that's how a football program is. If you're building a program in the right direction, Dave, that doesn't mean that every year is going to be better than the previous year. There will be sure. some setbacks every now and then. There will be some step forwards. The point is it goes in the right direction. This season is significantly better than if you did not have last year, you guys would be thrilled with this season right now. Next level thrilled. Tennessee in any other year does not beat Texas A&M. They don't beat Kentucky and they may not beat South Carolina. Okay. So any other year, if this is a Jeremy Pruitt team, this team is easily three and five. Yep. Rocky Top Tom says settling for mediocrity just because it's a bit better than the mediocrity we're used to is disgusting. Agreed. I says not losing perspective on the message board as much as we're PO'd about the tremendous waste of one heck of an opportunity to beat Alabama. Yes, I agree with that. Another post, but I can see how some would characterize it as such for the purpose of selling a narrative. I'm not selling a narrative. I've got questions still about Josh Heupel's talent evaluation. I've got questions about Josh Heupel's stubbornness. So you're coming to the place that's going to give you objective information. But I think as a whole, if you graded Josh Heupel from day one higher to now, he's an A plus. And I don't think that, that there's any doubt about that. And you could lose to Georgia and still be an A plus. Don't lose to Missouri, or I'm maybe knocking you down a bit, even though Missouri's pretty good. But uh, that's where I am. I'm, I'm a little surprised by some Tennessee fans. We've got a big show lined up. As I mentioned, Josh Ward will join us. Five things the Vols should do against uh, that team that they'll play uh, uh, on Saturday because we're not allowed to say the C word. Because that team that Tennessee is going to play that rhymes with Bonetiquette. Uh, that's not a team that is going to test the Vols. This is a mini scrimmage. So go out there and get better. Dominate from the get. Preferably get Nico some snaps. Make sure everything is buttoned down for this final run. So uh, I got this from Bill King when I did Nashville uh, earlier this morning. And that is, uh, we're just we're just not going to say this. We're not going to say the C word. Because the team doesn't matter. You should go out there and get better. Caleb, it doesn't matter who lines up in those Husky uniforms, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. It shouldn't matter. Will it? I don't know, but it shouldn't. I, I still, I, I'm, I still have the Austin P game in my head. Okay. All right. Austin, Austin P is probably better than this uh, C word team. All right. Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are they it's debatable? Possibly, possibly. Um, I, 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 Austin Peay's pretty bad. Okay, so they have the worst was, chant in football. This was awkward uh, last night. I was on a show talking about uh, talking about my book, Celebrate '98: uh, The Untold Stories Behind Tennessee's 1998 National Championship. And you can buy that below. By the way, it's right down below. Uh, uh, we've got some Fred White versions that you can purchase uh, as well. They're autographed by Fred. <laughs> but both of the hosts were from Indiana and I didn't know that Bobby Knight had passed away at the time. They're like, what do you think about Bobby Knight? I'm like, I think he's kind of a jack wagon. 
and I didn't know that. He, <laughs> I didn't know. I, mean, I didn't know he had passed away, and I'm 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 not laughing in that regard. But there are a lot of ties to uh, Tennessee between Bobby Knight, who I thought could have at one point been the coach at Tennessee if Tennessee would have wanted him. By the way, um, but they didn't, so he went to Texas Tech as well. And probably that wouldn't have worked out because they had gone through um, the Jerry Green scenario of bucking the establishment. So, uh, Benedict, uh, we'll talk about later. But right now, Bobby Knight. Um, I want to get to the ties that are out there. But, Caleb, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you. Who's the most controversial figure in Tennessee athletics history? Bobby Knight is unquestionably the most controversial figure in Indiana athletics history and one of the most controversial figures in the modern era of sports. I'm sure you would agree with that, right? Absolutely. I mean, on the short list, it's like, it's like him, Pete Rose for different reasons. I mean, they're on Joe Paterno. Joe Paterno. Yeah. Uh, So he's on there. Uh, I want to throw a couple at you. Uh, One for totally different reason. And, And please no, I'm not comparing the two, but I thought Casey Clausen was tremendously controversial because people didn't like his cool demeanor when I'm like, this guy does everything for you. I mean, this guy goes on the road and wins games. If you had Casey Clausen for the rest of your career, for the rest of your program's existence, you're in a good spot, in my opinion. And the other one is way too easy. It's shooting fish in a barrel. I'm going to see if you can guess the most controversial figure in Tennessee athletics history. Is it Bruce Pearl? No, it's bigger than that. Um, football, con- I mean, Philip Fulmer? Yeah, it's got to be Philip Fulmer, right? Philip Fulmer think- loved the balls, but loved Philip Fulmer just a little bit more. Yeah, so it. one, we all know what happened with Philip Fulmer. Getting the job was controversial. I think, and Dave, you were there in the 90s covering the team, so you can tell me. I don't Which know, but- job? The, the the well the football the head coaching job first. It was controversial how he got the AD job too. Well, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to the AD job. <laughs> okay. But the football job, I feel like the controversy behind that did die pretty quickly when he had his early success, didn't it? Like by '98, nobody cared that he kind of pushed Johnny Majors out the back door, did they? No, actually, you know, I was hosting shows a lot back then, and I still got phone calls even after the championship in the mid 2000s of people that would say. I don't care. I just don't like Fulmer because of what happened to Johnny Major. So it actually lingered on maybe longer than uh that than you thought. Wow. Which I'm I'm I was like, listen, you got a national title. Yeah, you know, I don't care what the reason is, or if you had to send uh your previous coach, and you know I love Johnny Majors, right? But if you had to send your previous coach to Guantanamo Bay and you get a national title. Them's the breaks, right? Not, but a lot yeah, of people still would, stuck by a lot of people still stuck by majors. Not to mention when Fulmer was rolling in the nineties, Johnny Majors went back to Pitt and just could just struggled badly, which was sad to see. Johnny Majors should have stayed retired after Tennessee forced him out in ninety two because that was a really sad four years that he was at Pitt trying to rebuild the program there. But okay, so yes, the athletic director job I think makes him much more controversial though for obvious reasons, but it's. With the football job, you could say, well, he at least had success and it was the right move for Tennessee because he needed to move to a new era. Him, he was a bad hire for athletic director. He made a bad hire at, at, for the football program. By the way, let's not forget this. For all of John Curry's flaws with the Greg Schiano thing and everything like that, he was close to closing a deal to get Mike Leach to go to Tennessee. Fulmer, as John Curry is closing that deal, 
orchestrates a coup to get Curry fired, take over, and then go hire Jeremy Pruitt. So by the time, now, rest in peace, Mike Leach, obviously, I mean, it's sad to say wouldn't have worked out given what we know now, but at the same time, when Fulmer is retiring with that beautiful, lovely severance package in 2021 and Jeremy Pruitt's fired and Tennessee's a wreck of a program, you're looking at Coach Fulmer, you're looking at Philip Fulmer and thinking, you orchestrated a coup to hire a coach that decimated the football program while nixing a hire that probably would have brought Tennessee more success than it's seen in 15 years. So who else on the message board? Now, we're talking about successful guys. I'm not talking about Butch Jones, who is just a goofball. You have or to Jeremy be successful. Pruitt. Or Jeremy Pruitt. Um, I mean, I so, still like Bruce Pearl as one. That's a great one. I mean, I okay, mean, th- that's that beats Casey Clawson. I'm going to say it falls short because football is king to Philip Fulmer. But listen, uh, Caleb, I think the one thing as an employer – an employee you can't do is lie to your employer. Um, yeah, I've been caught in, well, caught's the wrong word, but I've been in situations in which my integrity was questioned. And thank goodness I was raised to tell the truth and I did. And the truth came out. Um, and Bruce Pearl lied to not only his bosses at UT, but his ultimate bosses at the NCAA. So that to me is, is pretty, pretty bad. It's bad, and here's why it's worse. Let's not forget, Bruce Pearl, all to win a recruiting battle, effectively ruined a kid's college career in the 1980s because he snitched on him for taking some money somewhere. Remember that, the whole Dean Thomas incident? Oh, and, I do remember that, yeah. And but I, I really didn't have a problem with that. Um, I, think I didn't I, either, but it, it, it again, it did really mess up Dean Thomas in his career, and Bruce Pearl was – Defenders, ours, us included, would be like, well, that's integrity. You got to do what you got to do. Well, if you're going to hold yourself to that standard, you better not get caught doing anything lying, right? No, no, exactly right. And um, I thought that broke the coaching credo, which hurt Bruce Pearl in, in terms of getting a better job than he did until Tennessee came calling. But I didn't think it broke any moral credo to lie to your boss and to lie to the NCAA that's a whole different level. I'm sure you would you would agree with that. Hit that like and subscribe button as you continue to filter in. Uh, as uh, we, we, we do lose Bobby Knight, I think the unfortunate thing about the Bobby Knight situation is that he never really uh, – um, he basically said he wouldn't go back to Indiana until they were all dead, uh, the people that were in charge when he was in charge. He said that on the Dan Patrick show a few years ago. Um, so I think it's sad that those fences haven't, uh, or the bridges weren't rebuilt. Um, and that's why I say to this day that despite what you think about Philip Fulmer, there should be a statue of him in front of Neyland stadium because he won a national title. You win a national title, you get a statue. That's my rule. Okay. I don't care where it is. And maybe even at TCU, you get a statue of Sonny Dykes because nobody thought that they were going to play for a national title other ties to um other ties to bobby knight by the way yeah so let's talk a little bit about bobby knight because bobby knight and rick barnes from peripheral stories there's no direct quotes didn't seem to get along when barnes was at texas and bobby knight was at texas tech which is intriguing bobby knight actually kind of came out and said at one point rick barnes is not an offensive coach <laughs> and, which by the way is accurate um but uh then there is 
Bobby Knight and Pat Summit did a lot of stuff, did a lot of work together. Um, Bobby Knight was Pat Summit's biggest cheerleader at the, at, there was a one point when they were both coaching, both were the all time winningest coaches in their respective sport, women, men's and women's basketball, Bobby Knight and Pat Summit together. Yep. Um, and I remember what you were saying. Yeah. Before Bruce Pearl, you were there, Dave. How serious were the rumblings that Tennessee was looking into Bobby Knight when he was at Texas Tech? Uh, I remember the rumor. To the point where it was on the table, but it didn't get off the table. Does that make sense? It was discussed, but it was never really going to happen. I mean, there it was a football school, and they didn't want that. Um, we got to get to Josh Ward, so give me two minutes. And Josh Ward has the goals that Tennessee should face against that team. We're not saying the C word because the team doesn't matter with uh, the Huskies. Um, Tennessee needs to get themselves better, and they have an opportunity to do so before this final run. So uh, bear with me. Give me two minutes, and it's Josh Ward. By the way, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn, look at me. No contacts. And no glasses, Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn, local doctors that care about you. My man Josh Ward up next. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. All right, let's get right to it. Bring Josh Ward in. Both of you all, uh, Caleb Calhoun and Josh, look very comfy. Josh has a hoodie on. Um, my power went out last night, so it's like 58 degrees in my house right now. So, Josh, I'm I'm not in the best place right here. I got a space heater rocking. You look so warm in your nice home. Caleb looks so warm in your nice home. But you're closer. Can I come stay with you? 
uh, as long as you're ready to handle child care duties when you do. You know I love your kids, man. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, we're just going to leave them with Dave Hooker. What could go wrong? It'd be like uh, like the movie Uncle Hook instead of Uncle Buck. Was that the name of it? Yeah, yeah. John Candy. Yeah. Hey, can I be named uh, like uh, Uncle Dave? Because I'd my wife and I are both only children, so I, which explains my need for reaffirmation. But I, I we're both only children, so I won't have any nieces or nephews. So can you be Uncle Dave? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for a reasonable cost. We do this 590, 529 <laughs> plan for each of our kids. And uh, we sell uh, we sell an opportunity to invest into those plans with some of the rewards, including uncle and aunt titles. So we can okay. work that out. Okay, so this is Josh Ward's kids NIL program is essentially yes, what it is. That's right. <laughs> I like that. I like it a lot. It is time for four downs, and it's brought to you by our friends at Herald Group Security Solutions. Josh wrote a fantastic column on offthehooksports.com. What does Tennessee need to do against that team they'll play Saturday? Joshua, we're, we're trying not to say the C word because it doesn't matter uh, who Tennessee plays uh, that lines up on Saturday. Tennessee's so much better. They need to work on themselves, and that's what this column was about. Check it out on offthehooksports.com. Let's get going right now with Four Downs, brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions. Four Downs. Four Questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Okay, so before we get to what I thought were the four most important, you had one in particular that was empty the bench. And I think that's pretty much a given, Josh. Wouldn't you think so against this Huskies team? It should be, but in the article, I referenced the Austin P game where they never got a chance to empty the bench because the players didn't do their part. The starters did not do their part to get to the backup. So the starters had to play four quarters because they weren't good enough against Austin P that day. So it should be, but I would have lost a, mon- a lot of money if you tried to bet me that week that we would see Joe Milton all four quarters and we would see Aaron Beasley playing until the end of the game at linebacker because that week, I was talking about, okay, do you go a half with Joe and then Nico gets in? When does Nico get his first opportunity? And it never came. So it should this week. But that's why Tennessee needs to take care of a number of things for that opportunity to come up. Josh, Dave doesn't believe the Austin P game ever happened, though. Like, he is, he has fought me all week on this, that that game's somehow not relevant to this game this weekend. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a busy time. Did they play? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was ugly. I was there. I was in person and didn't want to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it should not happen this week. It should be Tennessee rolling. But, yeah, you know, UConn has actually been more competitive from a, a scoring standpoint than the record shows. Now, Tennessee, I believe, is the best team that UConn will have faced. But uh, they got blown out by Duke, and Duke's a pretty good team. But if Tennessee doesn't go out there and take care of business, if they go out there and commit some penalties and they're punting earlier or they're kicking some field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, has, as has been a theme for this offense this season, then we're not going to see as much as we want to with Nico. Fans want to see Nico. And uh, I think that's been obvious all season long. 
they should get a chance this week, but Joe Milton and the offensive line and the running backs need to do their part so that Nico and his freshman class and some of the second-year guys can get that opportunity. All right, Cooper Mays, what do people need to do to be a part of the program? And I think we got Jamal Lewis coming up tonight. I know I've teased that for our Celebrate 98 series. Uh, but pe- what do people need to do, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. All right, thank you very much. Four Downs today brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions. We're going to make your workplace and your schools safer, making sure your children are safer one school at a time. These are guys that are former service members a lot of times, highly trained. They make sure that your children are safer. So go to your school administrator and say, Herald Group Security Solutions, you got to call them. We're in private schools now. We're going to get in public schools. We're going to avoid the tragedies that have been a part of our country for far too long. Go to heraldgrp.com. What down is it, Coop? Coop here. First down. All right. Coop always bringing the energy on this segment. Um, So we go number one, Josh, and that is score 50. I hate the term balls by 50 for just for the record, but um, Tennessee should score 50, right? Yeah, I'm not predicting 50 to nothing, so they'd have to get even more to have that by 50 happen. Um, But Tennessee hasn't scored 50 points this season. Last year, Tennessee scored 50 points in six games. Almost half the time Tennessee was scoring 50. A few of those times they hit 60 plus. So uh, fans want to see it. You have a chance here at home. And uh, I, I think it's a pretty easy ask. Uh, look, if Tennessee goes out there and scores 49, they win 49 to 6 or something like that, people should walk away happy, not knowing exactly how they get there, of course. But 50 uh, is a reasonable ask going into this kind of game. You schedule UConn in November for fans to come watch. Put on a show and entertain the fans for this noon homecoming game with a lot of touchdowns and a lot of points. Uh, I want to go to Caleb, but Coop's going to set him up for the next down. What down is it, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. You think Mario Cristobal knows what downs it is usually? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, could help him out. Second down, Mario. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, I, I wanted to yeah go on to the next one you brought up, um, Josh, which is red zone touchdowns. Now, I'm going to be fair to Tennessee – there is a football god curse on football this year where red zone performances have been horrible across the board in the NFL and college, and I don't know what's causing it, honestly. But I do like your point. Do you think they should – I know they kicked four field goals last week, but would you say maybe they showed a little more last week in the red zone than they had in the past? Because one of those field goals was, as time was expiring, they might have actually scored a touchdown had they had more time. And then the other one was a 49-yarder by Charles Campbell. So – do you think they're actually showing – they just haven't had the chance to show improvement in the red zone with this new version of Joe Milton? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Joe's ability to run and do it more consistently within the offense is an added threat that opposing defenses have to worry about, and that should help them in the red zone. If they need to pick up um, pick up a first down or a touchdown in a short-yarded situation in the red zone – Joe should be a threat there, uh, but let's see it because it is still a question to me. Tennessee's tied for last in the SEC with Texas A&M in touchdown rate in the red zone. And part of the reason I I mentioned that in the column is you're using this game to get ready for the next two weeks. And if we come out of it saying, yeah, they kicked a few more field goals, uh, especially in the red zone or you know wherever you get to the 25 and you get stalled out and you have to kick a field goal, that's still no good for the offense. So um, if if we're having this conversation next week, heading into a road game at Missouri, 
or for sure talking about the Georgia game in two weeks, then it's a little bit concerning. It doesn't mean everything's fixed if they're just lighting it up against UConn. I mean, if Joe gets some more opportunities, they may not even have uh, red zone. They may have less red zone touchdowns. They might be able to score from outside the 20. Um, Jalen Wright has that ability uh, to break one. So does Dylan Sampson running the ball. But uh, if they're there, they need to convert in the end zone. Can I give you guys both a theory um, as to why so many teams are struggling in the red zone? I think that defenses and defensive coordinators in the past couple of years have realized with the fact that uh, offensive linemen can release downfield and the RPO game is so tough to stop. I think, A, that makes it difficult to stop in the middle of the field. Uh, their space is more is uh, more limited when you're in the red zone. But I also think that some defensive coordinators are maybe holding uh, th- their better play calls for defending the red zone. Josh, what, any thoughts on that? I, Caleb, I want to get your thoughts, too. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe they are, uh, in terms of calls on the defensive side. I mean, Tennessee's defense was able to get stops when they needed to, uh, at times last week, despite allowing a ton of yards up and down the field for Kentucky and Kentucky putting up 27 points, a pretty good output for that team, I think. But, um, you know, red zone calls, I'm not sure. I think quarterback play is, is pretty good in the league, but I think it's down from where it was a year ago. That's you know part of the case of Tennessee. That's the case at Alabama. Uh, two of the best in the country last season. Uh, so uh, that would be where I'd probably start the conversation, but I'm sure there are a number of reasons. Maybe defensive coordinators, because of that, uh, are willing to bend a little bit, believing they can get stops when it matters, because that tighten space, for sure, does help in terms of what you can call with that back of the end zone, providing extra safety help, essentially. Caleb, the term, Caleb, the term bend but don't break used to be like a bad term. It's just life in college football right now. Well, see, this is where I was going. I, your point, y- y'all's points would make sense, but guys, it's worse in the NFL. Red zone play has been horrible in the NFL this year. Mm. I mean, historically atrocious. I think it's this simple, honestly. I think because, and it was always, it was, it was, it was in college football, but because now football has moved so much more in favor of the athletic quarterback where accuracy has gone out the window. And because they're not coaching offensive line how to block and hold blocks anymore at lower levels, lack of accuracy and lack of ability to hold blocks wreck red zone plays a lot of times. And so I think that like in the NFL, Lamar Jackson, all you got to do to beat Lamar Jackson most of most of the time is play soft coverage and wait till he gets in the red zone and you know who's going to mess up in the red zone. In the NFL and college, I would also argue you can't place your hands on wide receivers which is, is made it tougher to stop in, in the middle of the field. All right, let's get to th- what down, Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here, third down. All right, third down. These are goals for Tennessee uh, against those Huskies other than just uh, winning. Uh, Dante Thornton getting going. So we saw a sign of that last week. Do we see more of that this week? That was a positive last week, right? He made mm-hmm. a few plays. Three catches, 63 yards. He's not Jalen Hyatt. Nobody should be talking about Dante Thornton in that role at this point. But he still can be a big play threat. He still is 6'5 with elite athleticism, I believe. So uh, let's see if he can get a, a shot or two against a UConn defense that will not be able to match what he has physically out there in the field. And playing on the outside might allow him some more comfort. And if he's able to have a big play, that should help with his confidence getting ready for SEC play. Qualifier, yes, tougher competition when he has to go back into 
SEC games, at least against Missouri and Georgia. But last week should provide a building block for Dante Thornton in this offense. All right, Caleb's got the possession down. Here we go. All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. All right, Josh, your last fourth down is a big one, which it is restart the pass rush. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to push back on it a little bit and ask you before I let you talk about why it's so crucial, but was the pass rush really non-existent last week or were officials just not calling any holding plays whatsoever because I felt like Tyler Barron was held at least four times in the game? Uh, he was held several times. I don't think he's the only defensive lineman, is he? I think they have some other ones. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought Kentucky did a really good job preparing for what Tennessee would do up front, the way that James Pierce would move around, and they were ready for him. Yes, there were missed holding calls. By the way, not that anybody watching would want to, but if you go back and watch Tennessee's offensive line, there might be some missed holding calls on Tennessee's side as well, just, uh, just to give you a heads up on that. But don't waste your time going back and looking at officials' calls because there is nothing more excruciating. Uh, they need to be better. <laughs> they, they, uh, they have really good players up front. They have really good depth. And they're about to face quarterbacks in Brady Cook and Carson Beck over the next two weeks that can beat them. Uh, their opponent this week is actually not allowing a lot of sacks. Sacks don't tell the whole story, though. In fact, not getting to the quarterback can be a difference maker. The Kamal Haddon pick six against South Carolina was because of pressure caused by James Pierce. His ability to get to the quarterback throughout the season has affected what teams have done. But last week, it, it just wasn't there. And were there some missed calls by the officials? Definitely. But if you're putting 372 passing yards by Devin Leary, who up until Saturday had been the most disappointing quarterback in the SEC uh, until this past week, then you're blind to your own personal issues. So they'll be better, I think, over the next couple of weeks, and they need to be. Nothing worse than being blind to your own personal issues. Josh, by the way, uh, didn't refer to uh, the, the C team. So uh, I like the way he did that. Somebody just texted me, though. It's a big Huskies fan about um, Washington. what we're doing. What? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Washington. <laughs> and, and, and here's what they thought about us not even using the name of the school. Uh, and, and they, they actually um, said, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to use Peyton Manning. Here's what Peyton Manning thinks. They're like, that is total bullshit. Maybe Peyton that's a little seems a little strong. My goodness, today's tough question is right now as we get it rolling, and it's brought to you by the Hemp House. I'll tell you more. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, today's tough question is on YouTube. You can vote. Looking back, how did Josh Heupel handle the ball's quarterback situation? 53% say perfectly. 35% say, okay, Nico should have played. 12% say poorly. Josh, I give you those three choices. What would you say? I'm sorry, this is for the season? Yes, to this point. Yeah. Uh, I think he's handled it well. I think over the course of the season, Josh Heupel has figured out what he's comfortable with, with the offense calling based on quarterback play, based on offensive line play, uh, in pass protection and based on the strength of the running game. So it took some time to figure out, but part of that is around the quarterback, uh, all the calls, all the planning is not only about who's playing that position. It's about replacing Darnell Wright and, and Jerome Carvin, but 
Joe was their guy. They knew that. He didn't play up to the level maybe where they hoped he might reach at the start of the season. And it's 6-2 and two in the way the offense, I believe, has come on, including uh, Joe's added running element to the offense has been a positive. So I think he's handled it well. Okay, but you didn't you, you didn't answer today's tough question. Perfectly, poorly, or okay, Nico should have played. Perfectly? Oh, wait, so he he could have handled it okay, but that also includes Nico playing? Like, I don't think that would have been a good idea. So uh, if I'm choosing between the two, then I would say perfectly, because if it's okay, I, I don't think it would have been okay to play Nico alongside Joe. I think that would have been poorly. It is so funny how we're so split on this. I think uh, Jimmy Himes, who we have on Wednesday, is like kind of down the middle. I think John Adams is like running out there for a couple of series in the first half every week. And you're on the other side. I don't know who's right. Uh, me, I would have played him. I wouldn't have played him in the first half ever, but I would have played him some more in meaningful snaps in the second half. Caleb, so you got to answer the question before we kind of dissect what Josh said there. I'm totally on Josh's side. I think it was perfectly. And I wanted to, re- I was one who broached this topic because I wanted to revisit last week with Dave's, um, you know, Gaston Moore should get out there and play. And, I uh, said to, simply that Gaston Moore could have done the same thing as – Let me ask Josh this. Would Gaston Moore have beaten Kentucky, Dave? Josh – well, we said it before Kentucky. Thank but you, we, Caleb. Josh, Thank let me you. ask you. Could Gaston Moore before the Kentucky game have done the same thing that Joe Milton did to that point? Uh, you're ta- Are you talking about record-wise? Because we did address this last week, and I still thought that it was absurd. Uh, I, I don't know if they sell them on Amazon or if I can find a local shop. I love supporting local businesses. If any of them make a big L, uh, I will I will try to buy it and have it shipped to you because you've earned it already at this point. <laughs> your gas I love this. Okay. Well, um, i tell you what can help you, and it's local and it's online, the Premier Hemp Dispensary Online. Hemp House, with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com. Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com. Using Josh's analogy. Sounds like you other- went over the recommended dosage from the Hemp House based on your... <laughs> Yes, and more. Yeah. With all due respect, the the the, wor- the worst thing I felt about that last week was some anybody who knows Gaston Moore. Like, I don't mean to knock him, but all of a sudden he's out here just catching what it, what would appear to be insults based on an unfair comparison. But Hashtag also, Josh, I didn't, I didn't know Gaston that the Moore. season was seven games. I didn't know that they would just plan to play through the Alabama game and that's it for the season. I I could have sworn there was a Kentucky game. And uh, I can't remember who they played this week and then Missouri and Georgia and Vanderbilt. Uh, So excuse my inaccurate uh, uh, breakdown of the schedule for the Vols this season. You can check out the Big Orange Crunch, which is right here, uh, which we developed for you. Use the promo code HOOKED. Use the promo code HOOKED to get 10% off at HempHouseChatWith2Ts.com. Hashtag uh, Josh Hates uh, Gaston. By the way, this is is a fair comment. and I don't know how hurt he was, but he obviously was not 100%, and he was affected. But uh, there's a comment. After Joe took that hit against UTSA, Nico could have gone in and played there. Remember, Joe was was having a good game. Then he was awful for a stretch, couldn't, uh, couldn't complete a pass. He definitely had to rehab after that hit. So um, to try to get ready for South Carolina, then he did. Then he got a break. But that that could have been a time to play Nico but because of injury to Joe, for sure. 
No, I thought so too. That that would have been the time, and you would have had the backdrop, Josh. Of no, you're not making a change. You're not throwing Joe under the bus. But he had the injury, and you could see what yeah. you got out of Nico a little bit. In the Remember, games. Nico went in late in that game. He didn't get much time against UTSA, and uh, officials, by the way, missed a, a call there. But got his neck turned around when they grabbed his face mask. Now that was that was not behind the first team offensive line, but that was not a great experience for Nico. Hopefully, he gets a better one this week. So will we see Gaston more this week? Is it UT Martin? Which game they they play a ton of quarterbacks uh, last year? Maybe, probably not, but uh, it's up to the starters, as I wrote for you on the website. Yep, that's that's exactly right. So let's go ahead and get your prediction, Josh. How do you see uh, this game uh, shaking out? Um, I mean, Tennessee's going to win, but and your your column was great. At, you would have you picked the exact five that I would have picked on on offthoaksports.com. but. Um, of those, which do you think are most important or which do you feel are most confident will happen? Let's kick that around for a second. Well, I would uh, expound on the pass rush and just say I think the defense will go out there and have a dominant day. I think the offense will do well. I do think they'll score more touchdowns and score quickly. So I think we'll be at the start of or the middle of the second quarter and be having the conversation of, okay, when do the backups get in? How much will we see? Nico, I think they're going to go out there, play well, play well early, and get a big win. Yeah, I think Tennessee was a little afraid of Kentucky's running game. So they they played a lot of zone uh, to be facing uh, the line of scrimmage, and they didn't really zone blitz much at all. Um, I think they can – Caleb, I really believe they can, they can dial up pressure anytime they want to. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I thought that was kind of – the other thing I meant to mention to Josh outside of the holding penalties was it did seem like the focus for them was not letting Ray Davis go off. Now, again, they decided we'll let Devin Leary try to beat us throwing from the pocket. And if he does, we'll shake his hand. And Devin Leary played as well as he could possibly play doing that. And I think they were willing to let that happen to make sure that Ray Davis didn't go off. It very much reminded me of the Florida game last year when Anthony Richardson had over 400 yards where they weren't really focused on bringing as much pressure in that game. I don't think they're, yeah, I think this week they're going to turn it loose. Taquan Robinson is the the only reason they might not get a lot of sacks is Jim Moore Jr. As, as we, anybody who followed him with the Falcons knows he will force the West coast offense on any quarterback he has whatsoever. And Taquan Robinson is the guy that he's going to force that on now, despite the fact that Robinson is more of a runner and is completing 57% of his passes. So Josh, if you could have any, and Josh is on noon to three of the sports animal. Josh, if you could have any coach on your program to answer completely, honestly, any question that you would come up with. Okay, so he has to be on typical radio segments. What about twelve minutes? If you got twelve minutes with him, and he has to be honest. He can't filibuster. Where would Jim Mora rank on that list? Jim Mora is pretty good with his history in the sport. I mean, right now Jim Harbaugh is number one. But um, beyond that, yeah, I don't know. Um, Moore is a big name. He's had a, a kind of a weird path <laughs> in the sport, wouldn't you say? Yes. Uh, his, time with, his time with the Falcons and the uh, Vic connection there. Was he, in, was he with the Seahawks for one season and then uh, UCLA? So uh, plus his dad's history. I'm sure he's got some stories there. So, yeah, Playoffs? Jim Moore would actually rank Playoffs? quite high. <laughs> he would rank high? Okay. So yeah. you'd rather have because, him than Because Nick- I think I'd get some really good stories. Okay, you'd rather have him than Nick Saban? No, total honesty, Saban would be uh, 
probably top three to five. Uh, but I would have some of his like Lane would be higher than Saban because uh, Lane might even know more than Saban about what has gone on in Saban's time. Uh, Jimbo would be very high because he already knocks on the door of honesty. He tried last summer and then uh, decided to close it back real quick. How about Butch Jones? First question out of the shoot. Welcome back from the break. Um, when did you realize you were a sociopath? No, Butch has always been honest. Like when he told us about Shy Tuttle falling on a helmet, he told us that's the truth. <laughs> I, met, so, I, I met with Jimmy Himes yesterday, and that discussion came up again of how absurd that was. Yeah. Uh, was, Josh, I, I got to be yeah. honest. That I, Butch Jones got exposed as such a bad liar and such a sociopath. Do you remember that 2017 team where fans were actively rooting for Tennessee to not just lose but get blown out each week because they wanted to see Butch Jones humiliated? I yeah, remember it was a that. tough year. It was a tough year. Uh, my, my favorite part about that season was uh, actually at, I believe it was in August, it was preseason um, camp, where at the end of practice, Butch Jones says to Patrick Brown, hey, if you catch a punt from Trevor Daniel, uh, then I'll open up half the scrimmage for the media. And Patrick, very confidently, he's sneaky athletic, said, okay. He ran over there and easily caught the punt. And, of course, no scrimmage was ever open for the media. Nah. <laughs> Uh, but there's 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 some good Butch Jones stories for sure. Uh, Josh, you want to throw out a score prediction? Are they going to score 50? Uh, I will say 52 to 7. 52 to 7. My favorite Butch Jones story really quickly is when a – I've told Caleb this, but I haven't told you this, Josh, is when a uh, – um, parent a dad of a current player called and said uh, you don't know me but i follow your work and i just want to know and i wasn't the only person he called i just want you to know that if my son gets charged with assault that it's because he's constantly berated by butch jones and there's a, there's a chance my son will knock him out yeah i mean he had uh at least one reported incident with a player so yeah it's a tenure that probably could have gone better in the end uh when i look back at it and this is not even the player that I think you're thinking about. I'll text you after the show. Have a blessed day, sir. Uh, and somebody suggests Uncle Hook, but Josh has never called me Hook, so that would sound weird. But if I can be an honorary Uncle Dave, I'm all in. We'll negotiate that. <laughs> you still want some cash out of the deal. <laughs> can I give it to their college fund, or does it go straight to your entertainment pocket? No, we're going five twenty nine. We can probably even find you some kind of tax benefit, but uh, I'll I'll show you the budget with three small children, and uh, you'll understand at least the ask. You don't get can, without asking. Can I, because my kids are old now, and um, so I do miss like Halloween and stuff like that. Which I, I hope you had a great yeah, Halloween. We had a blast. Kid, the kids love yeah. it. Yeah. It's, yeah, we dressed up as the yeah. Skywalkers. Uh, I was Anakin one time, and we couldn't find the picture on Tuesday night, so my wife cried that we couldn't find the picture. But we'll find it. Um, so, yeah, what about, uh, I don't know, just uh, can I take your kids to Dollywood and give you guys a Saturday off sometime? Uh, no, that's not going to cut it. I don't think so. All right, have a good day, Josh. It's probably okay. a good call by you. Thank you. Josh Ward, noon to Thanks, three. Caleb. Thanks, Hook. He's <laughs> never, ever, ever oh. called me that. <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> Josh Ward. All right. Um, yeah. So if you, if you had kids, Caleb, would you let me take them to Dollywood? And on the message board, guys, would you let me take your kids to Dollywood for a day? Would you trust me to take your kids? Now, 
this is no wife involved because with my wife, everything would be fine. But this is just me. Would I be responsible enough to take care of three kids under the age of five to Dollywood? You know, I would have trusted you, but because you keep bringing it up, bringing it up and it's like you're wanting to take my kids to Dollywood. I'm like, who wants to take someone else's kids? You get old, man, and you get like uh, this weird emotional thing. Like I talked to my son, and it, there's one. We had one trip. Penn State guys. Yeah, I mean, there's one. I <laughs> know uh, there's one. There's one trip that he was going to make down back to Knoxville because he's up north and he couldn't make it. And I got a little emotional. When you get older, you get emotional. Maybe it's menopause. Rick T Terry Jewelry Design. That's what I need. I need a nice piece of jewelry from Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler. Looking for affordable game day jewelry? How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? RickTerryJewelry.com, RickTerryJewelry.com. Support our sponsors. That is why we are here. So as we revisit that Joe Milton uh, debate, uh, yeah, I think uh, Josh Heupel was right to stick with him. I like the happy medium of I would have played Nico some. I'm not sure that I would have played him in the first half, which John Adams has said that uh, he would do. But I would have got him. I would have got him out there. So I'll tell you this much because we just brought him up. Butch Jones would have started Nico like four weeks ago and thrown him to the Wolves because Butch Jones is the type of guy that would throw a quarterback to the Wolves to save himself, to put place, to lose blame and put it on the quarterbacks. Just like when he benched Jer uh, Quentin Dormady and put in Jerry Garantano um, in the middle of the 2017 season. Um, yep. But yeah, I give. I think that the one of the things you have to love about Josh Heupel. And Tennessee hasn't had this in a while. He's very confident in what he can do. That's exactly the word I was going to use. And if I can kind of jump on your thought for a second, he's confident in what he was going to do, not for just this year, but for next year. So at times when maybe Caleb, um, he could have won some uh, fan equity um, with with individual people who, who want to see more Nico, he didn't do that. Um, and he very easily could have done that, Caleb, and and he didn't. He he said, hey, I am going to stick with my plan. And let's face it, if he would have run Nico out there for two plays in a meaningful game in the first half, the fans would have gone absolutely crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, they would have. And um, probably and probably with two losses to Florida and Alabama, you're saying, but oh, wow, that Nico. And listen, you can dial up plays against the UTSAs of the world, you can dial up plays to make a guy look like a superstar. He could have thrown him out there and he could have thrown for 200 yards and a half in that game. And everybody's like, oh, Nico, Nico. Now, would it have started the quarterback controversy? Probably if Joe Milton were to struggle. But in retrospect, and I've criticized, that's I think the difference between us, Caleb, and some other people, I don't dig my heels in the sand. In retrospect, I think they're a one-loss football team, if not for the Cooper Mays injury. And what more could you ask at this point? Orange Blood, I see you. He does deserve a few series here and there, especially with the way he's practicing that I've been told. And there's this ongoing joke on our message board that he's a bust. He's not a bust. Everybody that I talk to say he's he's ready and good to go. So we'll go ahead and put that uh, to bed right now. But, yeah, it would it would have been interesting. It would have been great content. But would it have been the right coaching move? I don't know. Uh, and this to, is yes. All right, just before you, you go, this actually separates okay. Heupel even from Fulmer, the second half of Fulmer's tenure, Dave. Which is that was your peak time covering was the second half of Fulmer's career at Tennessee. I felt like Fulmer was not fully confident in his decisions after Cutcliffe was gone. A lot of times, 
because he didn't fully trust Randy Sanders. And I just felt like he made he made a lot of decisions that came out of fan pressure, I felt like. No, that's true. And let's face it, in 2005, I mean, to be a tenured coach and shuffling quarterbacks back and forth between Rick Clawson and Eric Ainge, that, no offense to Philip Fulmer, we all have our bad days, but that was pure buffoonery, right? That was very bad coaching. That was very bad coaching from the start. Um, and honestly, I think Fulmer was right for preferring Ainge because the minute they for, fully gave Rick Clawson the job, Clawson just, he didn't have the base level to play in the SEC consistently. He didn't. I, I agree with that. There was a ceiling, but the team was so on board with Clawson. First of all, best option would have been to pick one, play him. If you have to make a change, don't change back no matter what. So that those are the option one, option two. He went with option three, was shuffling all, all around, and that was a, a bad, bad move. So, all right, Caleb, coming up, you think Greg Sankey's uh, crazy. Um, I think he's incompetent. Oh, my gosh. Two minutes off the hook. Sports, hit that like and subscribe button. Do me that favor. I greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to support our sponsors. They're all down there, and they're why we are here. And we've got a new sponsor we're going to announce in the coming weeks that we're super excited about. So uh, hang tight with me. Two minutes and why Greg Sankey is incompetent, according to Caleb Calhoun. I completely disagree, but he's Caleb. So here we go. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity can be found objective coverage Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Okay, here's where I am on this. And you might notice sometimes if I'm a little 60-40 on something, I'll I'll, I'll play the other side to... um, to have some fun, and that's with Caleb. 
that's with Josh. That's with John. That's with uh, Jimmy Hobbs. But uh, we always strive in being uh, genuine. So um, I'm, I'm going to tell you how I feel about Greg Sankey first. And then I will uh, get to, to Caleb's point. I think Greg Sankey is not just a good commissioner. I think he's an excellent commissioner. I think he inherited an SEC where one coach, particularly Nick Saban, was a little bit too strong. And that's why you don't have scheduling in place for next year. I think Sankey also, when you compare him to Mike Slive and Roy Kramer, you know, Slive cleaned up the league. Roy Kramer put the BCS into play. Um, and ultimately, Greg Sankey's um, going to be remembered for expanding the conference, and which I think he's done a great job with Texas and Oklahoma. And I know, Caleb, you're going to tell me that, of course, when they call, you have to take that call. And it would be like somebody saying, I want to be the biggest advertiser on Off the Hook Sports. Of course, I'm going to say, well, let's work that out. But um, I think he's excellent. This is not for show. This is not. Any of that. I think he's 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 an excellent commissioner. Um, and you do not think so. Uh, first of all, people uh absolutely agree with you. So be nice to me, Caleb, because I'm definitely in the minority. Uh Ed says agree with Caleb on the commish, uh, because Caleb's about to rip him. Um Travis says Greg Sankey is a bus, uh bust, a bus. Um, Smoky Mountain Red said Saban's water boy. Ed said I'm crazy. Uh, Travis says Caleb uh, Calhoun for the SEC commission. LSU wins every title for eternity. But it's very obvious that I'm in the minority. And I'm being 100% genuine. I think he has done a great job. Uh, a minus at the worst in my mind. All right, so tell me why I'm wrong. Okay, so this came out because the Big 12 has set the scheduling slate for their conference through 2027. The Big 10 earlier this month set theirs already through 2028. Excuse me, last month. The Big 12 just got their 16-team conference together in August. The Big 10 got their 18-team conference together in July. The SEC has known that their 16-team conference would be in existence next year since 2021 so they have longer to get this together and they still only have the schedule set through 2024 this is for one reason and it's for a big reason it's not alabama and nick saban pushing things it is sec teams are worried about the lack of payout for going to a bowl game because Greg Sankey struck such a bad deal with ESPN. And because of that, they need to make sure they get their revenue from going to bowl games. That's why they're only doing eight conference games. So they can make sure they schedule the three patsies they need to schedule to get the six wins and reach bowl eligibility. It's that simple. And while every other conference is able to go to nine games and set the schedule through 2027, the SEC has to go to nine games because as I talked all week, you have to do nine games because you can't have an eight-game schedule with 16 teams and no divisions and pretend that every team's schedule is going to be similar enough to say that you can pick a top two with the record. You just can't do that. So what's the Big 12 is getting a better TV deal, too, than the SEC. The SEC is going to have the worst TV deal of the three major conferences in a dog-eat-dog -dog era. And 
it is, it, it's, I think Greg Sinke is overseeing a product that Dave, let's be honest, you're, you're in marketing, you've been in marketing, you know, business. Sometimes you have such a good product. You don't have to be a good business person to sell it. It's like having oil, unless you're Jimmy Haslam, Jr. Like unless you're Jimmy Haslam. Like having off those sports. Go ahead. Exactly. And Caleb Calhoun. It, it, unless you're Jimmy Haslam, you can't mess up running an oil company. Okay. And <laughs> because it's okay. funny you say that because I know somebody that owned an oil company that was inherited, and it is kind of hard to screw it up. It's impossible. <laughs> like, and then, like, you tout your wealth as running an oil company. I'm like, that's easy. It's the same as being commissioner of the SEC or commissioner of the NFL. You have an amazing product. It's impossible to screw it up. Even if you do screw it up, your product is so good, it doesn't matter. So it won't be known. Greg Sinke has borderline screwed up the SEC. He pulled a Jimmy Haslam. The SEC is going to be less valuable than the Big Ten in seven years, even though the Big Ten has a far inferior product. Okay. Uh, Ed says ESPN contract, Dave, in all caps. So he's 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 yelling at me. I, I get that. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Rocky Top Tom says Greg Sankey is a combination of the worst politician, the greediest corporate bloodsucker ever to exist. I don't I don't think that necessarily. I don't think you think he's nefarious at all. You just think he's incompetent. Yeah, right? I don't think he's nefarious. I Greg Sinky, let's not remember why let's remember why Greg Sinky was hired. Do you remember when Greg Sinky was brought on to the SEC, Dave? You I do, not. but remind everyone. So Greg Sinky was hired by Mike Slive. What he was good at was compliance. Greg Sinky's skill and his understanding was to monitor compliance because if you guys remember 2002 the sec was looking really bad that was when alabama got the our mean scandal kentucky was on probation for some how money stuff it was alabama's like second probation auburn had been in trouble two or three times in the 90s tennessee was accused of stuff never got proven that was all right around the same time they mike side brought in greg sankey to i guess clean up the league's cheating if you will and that does not being able to do that does not mean you're cut out to negotiate new teams coming to negotiate business contracts or TVs. Greg Sinky put the SEC tied them for 10 years and a back contract to a network that might go bankrupt in five. So Boy, I mean, by the way, does it I mean, does anybody watch ESPN now and see the production value of their sets? I know this is something you would notice as, as much TV as you've done. It just it does feel like that is a sinking ship. Um, everybody's agreeing with you. I'm basically by myself. So I'm going to defend myself one, one, one last time. I think the Texas and Oklahoma making that thing work that he deserves credit for. It was a phone call. Absolutely right. I think all of the conferences you just mentioned don't have an 800 pound gorilla in the room named Nick Saban. And I think he has more pool. I mean, let's face it. If I'm Shane Beamer, I'm just picking a random person out there. And Nick Saban says, I don't like this scheduling model. I need you to vote for me. I don't know if he's politicking or not. Then Shane Beamer's probably going to do it. And here's why. Because Shane Bieber may need to be in the Saban rehab, uh, coaching rehab one day. I mean, Saban has resurrected a lot of careers. He, If he makes a phone call or shoots a text, like, I'd really like this to go this way, he has m 10 times... 10 times more pool than any of the coaches in any of the conferences you just mentioned. But I think what you have is a Saban issue. I don't think you have a Sankey issue. Now, as for the television contracts, had a chance to speak to Sankey at SEC Media Days. Gave me a little wink. 
I want to see how all this money shakes out. I think the Big Ten Network, and if if I might not be right, the way it looks, you're you're on point. But I want to see how this Big Ten money shakes out. I think there's some incentives there based off ratings. Do they end up getting the X amount? that they are promised and that has been publicized. There's good reason to hype that up, and you know that. There's good reason to hype it up and play the PR game. And does the SEC get a little more than we think? I think that's going to be closer at the end of the day than you do. Now, again, so those would be my defenses of Greg Sankey. I think whatever the Big Ten was, whatever those contracts were, the athletic directors and the coaches know it, and the Big Ten was comfortable enough to go to a nine-game schedule with those con- with those incentive contracts. The reason the SEC wasn't comfortable enough to go to a nine-game schedule wasn't just Nick Saban politicking. That might have been it. But again, it had everything to do with schools like Mississippi State don't want to play nine games because they want to make sure they can get to six and six to get to a bowl. So they want that third easy, you know, no name university to come to school to come to Starkville that they can blow them out 45 to nothing. And that gets them to six and six and they get to a bowl game. Can I ask you one other thing? Is there any chance that uh, Greg Sankey's kind of treading water on the schedule thing, knowing that a super conference may be closer than we think, and it's all going to take care of itself. Does that hold water to you at all? No, I just think he you couldn't can... get it done. And, and okay. the reason, and by the Fair way, what, what happened was, and I don't think, okay, here's my, here's my even hotter takes. I'm going to go here. Cause you brought up Texas <sighs> You brought up Texas and Oklahoma. Because ESPN hasn't renegotiated the contract with the SEC, the Texas and Oklahoma deal is now a bad deal for the SEC. It's not a good deal because guess what? Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC. You know what that means, Dave? They just have to split the money 16 ways now instead of 14 ways because they locked themselves into that contract with ESPN and then they go and welcome Texas and Oklahoma. And they and everybody's... You can't blame ESPN. ESPN is literally looking at this like, man, if we stay afloat, we got the steal of the century. The job of leagues is to, the job of anything, the job of a business, a good business person brings in more money than his business's value is worth. Am I right? That's your job as a business. Make your business make, <laughs> generate more revenue than it's worth. Get more money than it's worth. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's the goal. Hooker and Sankey sitting in a tree. Uh, K-I-S-S. Well, that's the good version. Um, okay, well, we, we could agree to differ, and I don't think that either of us are going to give for the next couple of years until we see that what, what money's actually paid out and if there is a mega conference. But I think it's the one thing that we 100% genuinely are on the opposite sides of. In but everybody agrees with you, conference. so maybe I need to reevaluate Dave and what I'm, I'm doing in worse. life. In a conference seat conference era, and we're going to talk about this a lot more over the next few years too, probably, because there will be some stories coming out weekly that I'm going to keep harping on. In a conference seat conference era, where only one conference will be standing as a super conference in five to ten years, I think Greg Sinke may have positioned the the Big Ten to be that conference over the SEC. That would be shameful if that happened. By the way, uh, our poll question on Twitter, you can vote on that. Looking back, how did Josh Heupel handle the quarterback situation perfectly is now leading pretty significantly, 55%. Uh, The okay, Nico should have played at 34% poorly at uh, 10%. So go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. We appreciate that because we got some big time picks for you uh coming up as 
Caleb, do you want me to share with everybody how you've done in picks? Have you, have, have you done good? Okay. How's your gambling wallet treating you this year? Well, my, my overall picks are good, but my gambling wallet's not treating me well because I only pick on my best bets. And I'm worse on the bets that I think are locks than the bets that I think are not locks. How crazy is that? Um, so last week I went nine and six. But on the bets of the week, I went one and two. So on the year, I'm 94 and 84 on all bets that I've picked. But on ones that I've actually put money on, I'm 13 and 14. So it's uh, got to come back. And I am still, and by the way, yes, I will be drinking mayonnaise in my coffee tomorrow. because yeah, That's right, because your picks were so incredibly bad. No, because I had the over for Oregon and Utah. And, you know, I, I think every, look, figure out, uh, Figure out a game this week as we go down the list, and then we'll make you tell me another bet I got to do next week if uh, it happens. We're going to have fun with this. By the way, speaking of mayonnaise and coffee, Titans and Steelers play tonight. But yeah, Will Levis also humiliated me. <laughs> what the hell does that have to do with mayonnaise? Will Levis. Will Levis. Oh, oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. Okay. All yeah. right. So, yeah, he was the guy who likes the mayonnaise and coffee. I don't think it sounds that bad. I mean, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a creamer. Um, but I like mayonnaise on crackers, just good old saltines crackers. I used to call that the, even though I was uh, dating my now wife at the time, but I used to call that the the bachelor lunch or the bachelor dinner when you would just have crackers. This is when I was like 19. Crackers, mayonnaise, and Tabasco. Anybody else oh, think God. that's good? <laughs> it's good. I see. I hate mayonnaise, period. I ask for no mayonnaise on my sandwiches when I get them. From oh, the so this bet tomorrow really means something to it you. It means something. It means something. It Should means we do something. it with Fred or without Oh, we Fred? should. Fred will find it funny because um, there's a there's a saying that goes around, particularly on like hip hop radio now, when like something is too white, it's the man. It's like it's like the mayonnaise is just too heavy. Um, I guess so. your hip hop sayings, uh, Smoky Mountain Red says, I suck at betting. Uh, when I bet on what I think is a perfect, easy pick, there is an upset. Uh, I'm always that guy. I do have about four or five fills per season that I feel really, really good on, and I'm really good on those. Um, but it's just random. All right. So I want to get to the Tennessee one because uh, Tennessee is. A 35 and a half point favorite over that uh, C team. And the over under is 54 and a half. Uh, but let's start with Ole Miss. Ole Miss, three point favorite um, over Texas. Excuse me, Texas AM. The over is 53 and a half. What do you got? Ole Miss is going to cover and it's going to hit the over. I think Lane Kiffin is going to pour it on. I feel like Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino, I've been picking the riff to break apart that team. And I think it finally starts this weekend. Ole Miss covers at home. Okay, and the ship seems to be sinking at Arkansas, but you like them this week. Arkansas has only lost one game by more than one score all year. They're a defensive-oriented team. Florida's not a good football team. It's a noon kickoff. Dave, you know this. The Swamp ain't that loud at noon. And mm -hmm. so I think Arkansas reinvigorated with their offensive coordinator fired. <laughs> Sam Pittman playing ball control. I think they're going to play... I think they're going to put up a fight, and I, I think they might lose, but it'll be like a field goal game and your typical ugly SEC game. Game hits the under defensive Do you game. remember part of the reason the Swamp was so loud is because you could leave at halftime and go get drunker? Um, <laughs> it was the only – I mean, for like 20 years, it was the only – they just outlawed that like 10 years ago. Well, you got also, to pass out. I mean, can you imagine in the middle of like a concert or something – 
like Metallica, maybe, uh, that they say, all right, we're taking a little break here. Uh, go out and get more hammered, and we'll be back to do Master of Puppets in just a second. South Carolina, 16 and a half points over Jacksonville State, I guess. I don't know a lot about Jacksonville uh, State. You've got Auburn at 12 and a half over Vanderbilt. I do like that uh, an awful lot. Mississippi State, Kentucky, that's a three and a half point spread. What are your thoughts on the dogs and cats? Yeah, I think together. I think Mississippi State should be favored in this game, honestly. At home at night in Starkville, I think Mississippi State should be favored to win. It'll be another defensive game. I, I think it should be like a 24 to 17 Mississippi State win. Hey, who remembers that line where that guy, that if, if anybody, I will send you a, a hooker t shirt if you can remember where that line comes from. What movie? Dogs and cats living together. Do you remember? It's a little bit before your time. No Googling. Nope. No, I'm not Googling. I don't remember it. I'm not cheating. Don't worry. Okay. Dogs and cats living together. The world has gone crazy. All right. So the best bets, though, this is where uh, Caleb really let's get a couple of games. Let's get a couple of the major games that are not under my best bets, though, that are going to be exciting real quick. Okay. Give me a couple. Give me a couple. So Missouri, Georgia, I think Missouri covers the 15 and a half. And I think the game hits the under Missouri off a bye. No Brock Bowers for Georgia. I just I think Missouri covers. I have no reason to say this other than this just feels like the game where Georgia just comes out and does play somewhat close to their level. Alabama uh, minus three LSU. And I'm, I'm looking for a shootout in this one with Milrow and Jaden Daniels. I think it goes well over the 60 and a half. And I think Alabama covers revenge on the mind playing at home. I think Alabama wins. Look at my guy. Fred got it already. It's Ghostbusters. Bill Murray, dogs and cats living together. All right, here is uh, Fred. We appreciate you being a part of the program. Here is uh, my email. So uh, you can reach out to me and I'll hook you up with a uh, hooker t-shirt. All right, so give me your best bets. How do you most like to lose your money this weekend? I'm going, I'm expanding. I'm tired of losing. So I'm, you know, when I'm tired of losing, I bet more. And so (laughs) I'm all in. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So first, uh, we already talked about Auburn Vanderbilt. Auburn's going to cover easily 12 and a half. How's that not like 17? Honestly. Agreed. Um, what else they say it's at... All right. So Colorado and Oregon State. Oregon State's a 13 and a half point favorite at Colorado. I think that's they're coming off an overtime loss and they're visiting Deion Sanders. I think Colorado is going to cover that easily. They're not going to lose by two touchdowns to Oregon State. Yeah, uh, I can roll with that. Um, my, I, by the way, uh, you know what they could use um, in the locker rooms? They could use Herald Group Security Solutions because apparently stuff gets stolen in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Herald Group Security Solutions has leadership experience specialization addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, making your children safer at school, one school at a time, working with private schools. Uh, but we're working towards public schools. So ask your school administrator, I can make my children safer if you call Harold Group Security Solutions. Why the H have you not done it to this point? Harold Group Security uh, Solutions. But by the way, can I tell you my one Rose Bowl moment really quick? That sure. I don't get I don't get around really anybody and get get intimidated. Um, like seriously, I mean, I, it's just not me. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if you're like that. But um, uh, a guy named John Wooden. Who you've probably mm-hmm. heard of was at yeah, that who, Tennessee was at that Tennessee UCLA game in the press box and he was in a wheelchair and I wanted so bad to reach out and just shake his hand and say this is quite a moment for me sir 
I did not have the guts to do it. I chickened out. Oh, and I don't have a lot of chicken out moments. I'm not a chicken out type of guy, but I was like, it's John freaking Wooden. Yeah. And Pat, <laughs> I will tell you too, Pat Summit had that feel in a room. And by the way, they're not going to wear blue jerseys, but they're going to wear the blue accessories in honor of Pat Summit, we've been told. Uh, Pat Summit had that effect on people too, where they, the people that were used to covering big names, she'd walk in the room and like Mike Griffith, who covers Georgia, I think he needed new pants after she jumped into a studio and did a bit with us when she was doing some ball network reads. Uh, Mike Griffith got totally scared. My wife's met Lane Kiffin, Philip Fulmer, all those guys. But around Pat Summit, she was like, Ew. I got the Pat Summit stare one time. I yeah. uh, I got the I had to interview Sydney Spencer, and I was I was a freshman at Tennessee, and I didn't know that the whole SID rule of calling the SID. I thought you could just walk on the court and practice and interview people. So <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was it was like my first time. I go to interview Sydney. Like I, I believe what was it one of the, the SID guy was there, and basically Pat Summit's like, I think you can't just walk on the court and do this. And then the guy was. Yeah, you're supposed to call us. And then she looked at me. She knew I was a freshman, and she was just like, "Well, now you know how you're supposed to go through this next time." And then she told me I could go ahead and interview Sydney Spencer now. She and, was such was a like, great person. She was such she was. a great person, and and you know she wasn't mad at you at all. And I know you got the stare because she was so intense. That's just how she was. But um, her accessibility. I, I'm way off topic. Give me your best bets. Let's let's, let's get your best. All bets. right, so I still make going. some people money. All right, so I already I've talked about Colorado and Oregon State. You got to tell me if you agree. Do you agree Colorado covers or not? Against Oregon State, plus 13 and a half? I, I, I'm, I'm not even going to pick because I'm all over the place in Colorado. I think they're the most unpredictable college football program, and I think you would agree with that this, this season, right? I would. Okay, so Arkansas, Florida, again, under 50 and a half. I, I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. What about you? Yep, I agree with both all of right. those. All right, a um, couple more. My money line, I'm, I do, I'm going to do a dog of the week now, and my dog of the week is a cat. I got Arizona upsetting UCLA at home. They upset Oregon State at home last week. I think Arizona is slowly becoming one of the hottest teams in football right now. So what do you think? Dogs and cats living together. Best post on the message board. Nathan says, I cringe when Caleb picks games. Ouch. (laughs) What are your thoughts, Dave? I don't need to hear somebody cringe when I pick. (laughs) Uh, You got, you think Arizona's picks. What do you think, Peyton Manning? Oh no! They're like that is total bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And well, got. Dave is scared to pick with me because he's scared of Pac-12 football. But uh, I got my last one. Is this is my favorite one? Are you ready? Are y'all ready for some points? Dave, do you like points? Uh, the more the merrier. USC and Washington. Okay, you got two Heisman candidates: a Lincoln Riley defense. Phoenix. Phoenix. Is it Phoenix, Phoenix and Caleb Phoenix. Williams? Mm-hmm. The over-under is set at 76 and a half. That over-under should have been set at 90. Honestly. I'm, I, I, th- I think there's going to be 100 in that game. I think 100 points will be scored in that game. What do you think? Uh, if Phoenix shows up big. He's Caleb Calhoun. <laughs> I'm Dave Hooker. Off the Hook Sports. Have a fantastic morning, afternoon, or day. Off the Hook Sports.com.